wherever you go, and we talked about however life turns out, but this morning we're going to talk about another ever, and it'll be our last ever in this series. But before we do, I want to talk to you about, I want to introduce you to two people, Um, two very made-up people in a very made-up situation that is unfortunately all too real. First of all, I'd like to introduce you to Jim. Jim is a great guy. Jim is involved in just about every area you could imagine within his church. Jim holds a leadership position. He loves to talk about Jesus. Jim is an avid golfer, and he loves to go golfing on the weekends. Jim has, has three daughters, and all three daughters are very active in their youth group. They love to participate in the various areas and ages where they, they plug in. They love inviting their friends. Jim is, is a wonderful example of a Christian husband, father, and man. And I want to introduce you to his good friend, Bill. Bill, likewise, is very active. As a matter of fact, Bill has, the only problem you can see with Bill is he doesn't know how to say no. Right? I mean, he does anything and everything anybody and everybody asks him to do. And Bill is really, really good friends with Jim. They love to hang out together. As as a matter of fact, Bill is the godparent for one of Jim's daughters. They spend a lot of time together. Like Jim, Bill loves to golf. They'll find themselves early on a Saturday morning with a before the sunrise tea time, it seems like. They love, they love to hang out together. Something happened. Nobody knows what it is. One day, Jim and Bill went their separate ways. One day, Jim and Bill had some sort of falling out. The details are kind of irrelevant because nobody really knows. Just Jim and Bill. Initially, it was a problem that just affected Jim and Bill. Initially, it was a problem that only impacted Jim and Bill, but something happened along the way. Something happened where this this Jim and Bill problem got to be a bigger problem, and it started to affect Jim and Bill's spouses. And then it started to impact the people they hung out with. And then this Jim and Bill problem got to be so big that it began not just to tear their relationship apart, but to tear their church apart. Because you see, they served on two different boards and committees within the church, and they, and they were beginning to tear the place apart because they were forming their own special camps. They couldn't even stand to see each other. The conflict got so bad. Now, I told you, Jim and Bill are two very made-up people. But the situation, unfortunately, is all too real. I've seen it happen before. Division and conflict were never supposed to be. If you go all the way back to the book of Genesis and you go back to the account of how things got started, divisiveness was not part of the plan, right? I mean, God had this wonderful design and everything was working harmoniously. Everything was going perfectly 
you know, Adam and Eve were getting along and they were doing what they were supposed to do and, and taking care of the garden and, and there was no fighting and no arguing. It looks a lot like your houses, right? No, no quarreling amongst the partners within the house. And then all of a sudden, one day, something strange happened. They decided that, that they were going to go branch out on their own and kind of do their own thing. And they, they took this fruit, and when they took this fruit, this separation happened. And, and, and separation was never part of the plan. And we call that separation sin. Um, we call that separation death. We call that separation conflict and division. And it made its way into Adam and Eve's relationship with each other. But, but she said to, but, but he ate it, but he told me to, and all of a sudden the blame game started. But it also caused this division between Adam and Eve and God, and so they wanted to hide from God, and they wanted to run away from God, and they wanted to, to, to go away and not be seen by God. Much like Jim and Bill are dividing their relationships and families and even their church. Adam and Eve brought about within the world a division that was never intended to be there. But it wasn't just Adam and Eve, and it's not just Jim and Bill. If you just read the pages of the Bible, you can find it. Now, you would think, one would think that if, if this Bible thing was was made up, you know, some people say the Bible's made up, and if this Bible thing was kind of made up, you'd think that we would have hidden some of the, the not-so-pleasant stories. But if you read the Old Testament, New Testament, and you read about some of the divisiveness that was there, I mean, people turn it against one another, and they're turning away from God, and they're not following, they're not doing what they're supposed to do, and they're not listening, they're not doing the right things. It's just an ugly, ugly, ugly mess. And so when you look at this and you see all this division taking place, you kind of wonder, why, where, where's it all going? What's the purpose in all this mess? You see, it didn't only happen in the Old Testament, it happened in the New Testament as well. Uh, there was a a story in Philippians chapter 4, and we didn't read this part, but I'm going to introduce you to this part. It's right before our reading from, from Philippians chapter 4, and there's these two people, and there's this, this problem that Paul wants us to know about. So Paul writes this letter to this church in Philippi, to these believers in this place of, called Philippi, and, and he introduces them to these two ladies. So Paul says, I entreat Eudea and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. These two ladies aren't, are having a hard time. These, these two women don't see eye to eye like they used to see eye to eye. These, these two ladies are causing problems for themselves and ultimately, it's making its impact on the rest of the church because he goes on to say, I also ask you, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel. See, these women were, were followers of Jesus. They were co-workers in the kingdom, co-workers in the church, along with Paul. And they're about this business of, of building this movement of Jesus followers and something's going wrong. They lost their focus. All they could see was their conflict. All that 
Eudea and all Syntyche could see were their conflict and their fighting and their quarreling, and all they saw was the division. And it was she said, and she said, and I don't want to be near her, and she bothers me. And it got ugly. And so Paul, as he's getting ready to wrap up his letter, he sees this is a big deal. And he says, we got to fix this thing, because this thing's going to get bad. And so he offers them a way to fix it. Now, this is where things get kind of tricky. Because normally when we go to settle conflict, we bring in a mediator and we have the two parties sit across from each other and we work through our differences. And well, she said and she said and he said and he said and forgive and forgive and whatever. But here's what Paul says. Paul offers a new way. He says, I want you to sit down with these two women and I want you to have them agree in the Lord. Now, he doesn't say they have to agree on all the little points, right? He doesn't say they need to agree about all their differences. He says agree in the Lord. We have a thing in common, right? The thing that unites us is Jesus. And let's agree in Jesus for right now. And let's worry about all the other stuff later. So agree in the Lord. And then he launches this this ridiculous idea. And he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'm going to tell those thick-headed people out there, rejoice. He spoke those words for me because I kind of need to hear it twice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say it, rejoice. And so what he's looking at is he's looking at these two ladies, Eudea and Syntyche, and he says, ladies, now there's a problem. And the problem is you've brought division where division isn't supposed to be. Much like Adam and Eve brought division into the world, you've brought division into this gathering of believers, and we need to fix this mess. And here's how we're going to fix this mess. Instead of nitpicking at each other's problems, how about we together rejoice in the Lord? How about instead of you and you and you, you know, pointing to each other, how about instead we point to Jesus? How about instead of focusing on the wrongs of the other, we start to focus on Jesus? And then everything has a different focus. If, if Jesus becomes the one to whom we point instead of the other person, everything starts to look different. The conflict that once was the center and the top, the center of the issue or the top of the totem pole becomes somewhere lower down the line and further off in the distance because we realize that we are children of the same God. He created both of us and we both got brokenness somewhere along the line. So rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And then he goes on to say, let your reasonableness. Now, I I love that line, right? Because in a conflict, how many of us are really reasonable? No, I mean seriously, right? I mean like, you know, you and, and, and that enemy or whoever of yours are, are having a disagreement and, and rarely, rarely do we speak in calm, normal, everyday words. Majority, we go to the, to the infamous always and never. Well, I mean, don't we? It's unreasonable. And so Paul says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Quit with the always and never business and focus on what's really, really true. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. For the Lord is at hand. The Lord is right there. He's right there among you. He's right there amongst all of you. And so don't be anxious. And then he goes on to this thing. But then this is where things get really fun. Because Paul gives us a single word that will fix every conflict. But you have to use it the right way. He gives us a single word that will fix every conflict we'll ever be in, but you got to use it the right way. He says, finally, brothers, whatever. 
That's the word. Whatever. Whatever will fix every problem you've ever been in. If you focus on that word the right way, whatever will fix every conflict, every division, every negative course of action. If you focus on the whatever, everything else works. But you've got to get the whatever right. And this is how we set the mood for whatever. You know, we have a tendency right now to use the word whatever. And I heard somebody this morning tell me, I don't like it when my kids use the word whatever. It's like, whatever, Dad. And that's not the right whatever. Because the word is this. It's whatever is true. Whatever is right. Whatever is honorable. Whatever is excellent. Whatever is lovely. Whatever is noble. Whatever is pure. Whatever is admirable. Whatever is praiseworthy. I changed the words up a little bit, I know, but I'm reading them off the banner back there. Whatever is true, right, honorable, excellent, lovely, noble, pure, admirable, and praiseworthy, whatever those things are, focus on those things because whatever fixes the problem. When you're in the midst of a conflict, and see, Paul gets really practical. That's what I love about Paul. Right? We, we, we tend to, to think that these guys are like speaking all these spiritual things, right? And they are. He's talking about spiritual matters, but he's getting right down to the nitty-gritty, right down to the here and now, into the day-to-day relationships, and he says, Listen, in the middle of your conflict, in the middle of these challenging moments, in the midst of these nasty things going on in your life, just say whatever. Whatever. Because when you're in the middle of a conflict, what do you see? The conflict, right? Right? You start to see red for some reason or another. I don't know why. We start to see red and we start to see anger. And when the other person wrongs us, we we tend to hold on to those things and we can't let go of those things. And all we can say is conflict and anger and and hurt and pain and, and ugh. But Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. And again I say rejoice in the Lord. And when we rejoice in the Lord, we let go of the conflict. We let go of the pain. We let go of the hurt. We let go of the wrong. We can't forget it. Okay, so don't go there. You don't have to forget it because that's not within your capacity. All the way back here when Adam and Eve sinned, right, when they ate that that fruit in the garden, it it allowed us to do one thing. It allowed us to remember pain. It allowed us to remember conflict and distance and division. So we can't let go of that. Okay, so so that whole forgive and forget business, it's not going to happen. Forgive will, forget won't. You're going to see that person. Every time you see that person, you're going to remember that you need to forgive them again because of that evil thought that just popped into your head. So he says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let go of the pain, let go of the hurt, let go of the conflict. And in the midst of that relationship, say whatever. Whatever is true. Whatever is right, whatever is honorable, whatever is excellent, whatever is lovely, whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is admirable, whatever is praiseworthy. That's what we say. These are the things we think about. When we walk into a relationship that's broken and disturbed and falling apart and there's burning embers all over the floor, we let go and we say, whatever. Whatever. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Now, please don't make Paul say something that's really not written here. Paul does not say, rejoice that bad things happen to you. No. Well, that's just craziness. But rejoice in the midst of the bad things that do happen to you. You see, that's the difference between joy and happiness. And he says, so whatever is true, 
Focus on what's true. Think about the truth of the matter. Not the, not the exaggerated always and never, but think about the true matter and focus on whatever is true. And whatever is honorable. Are your intentions in this relationship really to better the other person and bring honor to the other person, or are they there to build your own ego? Whatever is honorable. Whatever is just. Whatever is right. Whatever is pure. Are your motives pure? Or is it something that's going to fill you for a minute and leave you empty later? Much like Kevin's cake. I'm hungry now, thanks. Whatever is lovely. Lovely. Now, guys, we don't talk about the word lovely a lot. That's just not a word that tends to roll off our tongues real easy. It's kind of hard for me to say it even sometimes. It's just not a word I speak. Lovely. just doesn't sound right. But whatever is lovely, you know, you know what this is? This is looking at the stuff that God did and realizing that God is good all the time and all the time God is good. It's this ability to look at the things that are out there and realize that God had, his, had our best intentions at heart at every step of the turn, at every step of the way, at every turn of the corner, every moment God had our best at heart. And isn't that an amazingly lovely picture? Because nobody else has that for you. Whatever is commendable, whatever is excellent. Whatever is excellent and commendable? Conflict is neither excellent nor commendable. So in the midst of your conflict, quit looking at conflict and start looking at Jesus. Start looking at whatever. And I think that as we look at the things that are whatever, the conflict, however huge it was, soon starts to fizzle. Because we're not looking at it anymore. Because we're not looking at the conflict anymore. We're looking at the one who resolves our conflicts. We're looking at the one who's given all of himself to fix the conflict. Now, let's go back to Adam and Eve once, right? We talked about how Adam and Eve, they ate that fruit, separated from God, brought this division, brought this big chasm between us and God and between us and one another. And here's what, here's what Jesus did. Jesus came here to squeeze the gap. Right? He, didn't, he didn't come here to bring us to God. He came here to bring God to us. It's not like we've got to traverse some big, huge bridge now to get to God. It's that God, in His Son Jesus, brought all of Himself right into us. And so now we have Jesus right there. You don't have to go anywhere to get Him. He's already here. He's walking among us. He's living among us. He's hearing His Word. He sent His Spirit now to dwell inside of us. I mean, this is how amazing this is. Jesus gave up all of Himself to fix the conflict that existed between us and His Father. So when we focus on the conflict, all we see is the big gap between us and the other person and between us and God. But when we focus on whatever, we begin to see the bridge that God built that brought His Son to us and that can unify a broken relationship. I pray today that you look at someone and you say, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, because I'm in this relationship for whatever is true, right, honorable, excellent, lovely, noble, pure, admirable, and praiseworthy. Whatever. Amen.